My guest's invitation today is to do what is needed and do it from the heart. Welcome to Love featuring your host, Jane Donovan. The sun shines bright as it moves across my face. I feel the light. I know in probably every second episode, I mention something that I love about social media and that perhaps the Love Life show should be sponsored by YouTube, Facebook or Instagram. However, what I really love about these social media platforms is the ability for me to be pleasantly surprised nearly every single day by a gorgeous story shared in a short video or a photo capturing beautiful emotions, an uplifting raw and real blog. I'd trust my social media feed to deliver to me the news that I want to hear every single day. It inspires me, it uplifts me, it connects me to the world I love to be a part of and has replaced the mainstream news services for me now for, I think, probably around 10 years or so. On the rare occasions I have the TV on when the news starts, it saddens me to see the shows virtually 100% dedicated to news of hatred, violence, disaster, and the biggest thing of all, in my opinion, is the news of fear-based reasons for disconnection. I love seeing the stories of brilliant minds solving problems in positive ways. I love seeing the small businesses devoted to employing people with disabilities, the cafe that gives away free meals to homeless people, the child who's developed a really clever, cool app to help solve a current issue, or the artist who's soared way beyond limits we've previously seen, the warriors educating through peaceful activism, the social experiments to help us to open our eyes to connect. These people inspire me to be a better version of myself. They remind me that I too can do this, this being to follow my heart, to help make change and to keep going. They've done it and so I can too and of course you can too. And in my little pocket of the world, in your little pocket of the world, with those that we have the opportunity to connect with. This excites me every single day and I don't think I'll ever get tired of this and I suspect many of you feel the same way. I know when earlier this year I asked some of the Love Life tribe to answer the question, what is beauty? Many answered in various ways. However, most chose to describe beauty as seeing the human connection. And therefore, I feel you too love hearing the success stories or the positive ideas that are in the early stages of creation or opportunities to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. And ultimately, The hope of a community that is more compassionate, kind, considerate, and of course, loving. So when gorgeous Love Life Tribe member Peter Lennon shared with me recently a video of his old schoolmate who's created a project to help the rise of the feminine by breaking the cycle of feminine poverty through education, well, I just had to have a chat with this man. I genuinely am in awe of somebody who turns an idea into a reality, and I know we can all learn something special from those who are out there doing the do. So today, I'm joined by Mark Bredner, the founder of Rise as One Project. Mark has trained over a thousand yoga teachers and now has a specific call to action for yoga lovers to take the next level of yoga, to be of service to humanity. So whether you're a yoga lover or not, 
I still feel that the call to be of service to humanity is something that we can all learn from Mark. You know, I've been in yoga all my life. You know, I I was very fortunate that my mother was one of the first yoga teachers in Australia and she taught at home in Cronulla, you know, in that sort of blue-collar suburb Cronulla surf town in those days. And and I, I started when I was five and it was kind of an unusual thing then. I think every second mother these days is a yoga teacher. But at that time it was kind of weird and a little bit on the fringes. Something about it just appealed to me and I've been doing it all my life and it's given me incredible gifts and I feel very lucky. And, you know, yoga these days, as we can see, has become very prevalent in society and, and part of that is it gets commercialized and part of that is it starts to lose some of its essence. You know, a lot of the physical practice, which is an important part of the yoga, has been over-emphasized and over-focused on. So, you know, this focus of Rise is One is to take people to the next level of practice, to be of, of service to humanity. Uh, we, we dub it yoga tearing. Yoga tearing, I love it. <laughs> and a big part of that is because the whole thing about yoga, the word itself means union and on a personal level, we can say that's a, a joining of our individual self with, you know, more of a universal concept. But from a practical level, it's also about belonging to each other, and we forget that. In fact, everything that we have is part of a, a much bigger network, like the clothes that we have. You know, people's making them in another country. You have to grow the cotton. It has to be harnessed. It has to be dyed. It has to be processed, and, you know, the food that we have, and in our lives, we're very fortunate. Um, if we have a house and an income and food and comforts, we're in the top 15% in the world. Half the world lives on less than $3 a day. And if you travel a lot and you spend time in some of these countries, um, this is a, a big reality. Can you share a bit about how did you come up with this idea and where is the project at at the moment? We partner up with non-for-profits around the world that I have a personal connection with. If you have personal ambition, that's great. It's good to have things for yourself and your family, but rather than just limit it to yourself, how about if you want well-being for yourself and prosperity and you want good things to happen and ease in your life, well, how about having that for everybody? And so that turns it into a, a larger vision. So a lot of my kind of mission on this is to get the yoga community to come together and rise as one and think from a place of community and unity and inclusiveness and having benefit for everybody. We take six people to these projects, generally around six people, and we get them asked a couple of questions. And based on those, we interview people. And in this case, when we go to India, it's personal change for social change. So they go for two weeks, uh, all expenses paid. Uh, They do a week of personal change up in northern India, and then we go and immerse in the slums of Nagpur, and basically walk in their shoes for a, a week. So these six women really connect into, in this case, the girls' home there, and then they have an ongoing two-year commitment to help them thrive and flourish. So basically we target the change makers and um, leaders in the communities because they pay it forward. Our intention is to set up a big platform where we're matching people to projects all around the world. So we will get people to let us know what their superpowers are, what their gifts and talents are, and then we'll match them to projects all around the world. 
So some of them will be funded by us. Others, you just go and offer your skills and services. And the thing is, so many people want to be of service and they want to help and they, they just don't know how to do it or they don't think that their skills have anything of value to a particular project. But, for example, this one in India, one of the trainings in the job skills that we do for women is uh, beauticians because the, the wedding industry is so massive over there being a beautician is is a great way to get an income for your family. So if you're out there and you're a beautician, then actually that's a, a great skill. And sometimes we don't think about what we're good at could be useful, but in, in many ways all across the board they are. I love this. Now, what you're doing is helping to educate and help teach skills to children and women so that they can be financially independent self-sufficient and be able to move out of the poverty cycle. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. And there's some amazing statistics here, Mark, that I I grabbed off your website, the Rises One Project. 38,000 girls under the age of 18 get married every day around the world. So this is to try and prevent child brides. Ah, yes. So child marriage and poverty. And because the cycle is that if, these girls that are getting married under 18, many of them under 15, you know, having babies and they're not psychologically and physiologically ready for, and they're not educated. They have no way out of that particular dilemma and cycle. So then they have a bunch of children and all those girls end up in the same situation. So each year that a girl stays in school, they have 20% more chance of getting a job and earning income. And once a woman can earn her own income and get skills, uh, then they can start to break that cycle and they can pay it forward to their children as well. There's something like estimated around 45 million less girls in school around the world. And about 58% of girls in India have dropped out of school by age 15. And uh, the girls, there's about 40 of them and they're between 15 and 25. Yeah, so they're around that age, and a, and a lot of them are there because um, they're getting out of abuse situations. They either come from the slums or from the villages, poor villages, and they're in yeah very challenging circumstances. But you know, it's amazing to see like we go into these um, slum areas and places around the world and think you know we're doing all the service work, but they have incredible things to teach us. I mean, I see some of these girls; they grow up in a dust bowl alcoholic father, incredibly difficult circumstances. They have to bring up the, all their siblings, and yet they still have a spark in their eye. You know, they're still on that opportunity. But, but not only that, just the sense of community and, and being in these situations and still having a sense of um, happiness in, in their life as well. Uh, there's so many things to, to teach us as well. But, yeah, we, we, we partner up with different organisations, um, non-for-profits around the world. So we've got... In principle, we've got Tanzania, Nepal, Flores, and and Vanuatu to come up. So for us to green light those, it's just a, a matter of um, funding. So where do you get your funding from? Um, all the funding has been primarily from me because we're we've largely um, a startup. So I have had some small sponsorship from Power Living Studios, Duncan Peak, but the this first one is all done through crowdfunding. 
after the crowdfunding, this is the first time and last time that we'll ask the yoga community for financial assistance. After that, we want to build the platform. And we want to really be self-sufficient in a few years based totally on the yoga community. Um, the platform will have a number of revenue streams um, built into it. Yeah, it's, it's funding again or anyone that has skills out there in the IT world around um, you know, building platforms, it's, it's all helpful and useful. And that's the thing, like once you put it out there, you just get people put in front of you all the time that are offering um, skills and services to make things happen. People want to say yes. They want to put their hand up to help, which is why I want to find out different ways that people can help because most of us want to put our hand up to help, but many lack the the skills or ability or drive or belief to be able to turn something into a reality. So, Mark, how did you come to have this gift? Because this isn't your first big project that you've done. You've been doing projects for decades, haven't you? I've been working in uh, social work over the years and I, yeah, I noticed that sense of happiness and sense of fulfillment by simply giving just because I could. Now, I used to work as a child life specialist for a company called Operation Smile, and they work largely with 30 or so countries around the world, uh, mainly kids with cleft lips and palates. And I used to work as a child life specialist in the Philippines and China for them. Yeah, and I've worked in disability I worked with my mother in Sutherland Hospital with Down syndrome children and asthmatics. And, uh, yeah, just, just being able to give back simply because, because I could um, is fantastic. So, you know, my intention is to, for this to be my total commitment in life down the track. I, I do get my income through yoga education, um, which I've been doing for a long time, and this is my largest passion. And there's so much of a need for it out there. and Really, when you look at it, it's just doing what's needed. That's all. I travelled around the world and I saw these things, and it's to me, it's not anything special. It's just it's needed. So let's do it. So it's not that complex, is it? So you're really looking at providing an arena or holding the space for women and girls to really become empowered, so that they become the change makers in their world, in their community. And I guess they're just lacking the facilities for that to be occurring. Is that right? A lot of the girls in these countries aren't seen as useful because they'll go on and look after someone else's family down the track. They're seen as thieves at the table. And so boys are given, you know, all the, all the rewards. And, but it's time we need to readdress that because I certainly don't want to live in a world that doesn't have the feminine principle creativity and beauty and love and gentleness and kindness and nurturing. Uh, it's so, so important. It's not more important. It's just that it's so imbalanced. And we need to have women come into the workforce uh, that still have that feminine principle as well so we create a more gentle economy. One of the basic ways that you can look at yoga, like happy yoga, is balancing the sun and the moon. In, in other words, balancing the masculine and feminine. And I'm really inspired by a teacher called Sadhguru, and I think he explains it really beautifully. You know, to have a really... You know, human well-being on the planet is the balancing of these two energies. And the simple problem is that the masculine has been overemphasized and it causes so many problems. I mean, anything that's overemphasized uh, causes a, a problem. And he looks at it this way, that 
you know, the, the root of the plant is like the masculine and the flowering is the feminine. And the, the root is the, the useful part of it, but the flowering is the beauty that gets shown in the world. And we've given over emphasis to usefulness and we gauge success on the masculine about economic prosperity and doing better than other people and it breeds competition and chasing our tails after things. And because of that, if you just have the root without the flower, it's a kind of ugly existence, a bit of a dark existence. Yeah, it's, it's just a read readdressing of the imbalance that's such a beautiful way of explaining the imbalance between the the masculine and the feminine so i recently found a study that was done it was a survey of 64,000 people around the world and they were asking the question they were looking for the most highly the highest characteristics and ideals of a modern leader Now, I, prior to reading the results, would have expected in a patriarchal society that it was going to be filled with the masculine traits. Excitingly enough, eight of the top 10 qualities are those that are perceived to be feminine. So it does appear that there is a conscious shift towards recognizing the importance of the rise of the feminine. And, uh, and just some of those qualities that were viewed as the top 10. Well, the number one was expressive. Uh, there was plans for the future, reasonable, loyal, flexible, patient, intuitive, and collaborative. All beautiful, what we perceive as being feminine qualities. So I feel this work that you are doing is crucial to, to the success of achieving the rise of the feminine, for it to be standing side by side with the masculine, working together intricately and beautifully in devotion to one another. And I I guess that has to start with, at the roots, the education and self-empowerment of girls. And I guess the younger, the better. So I'm really excited by this work that you're doing. I think that deep down, we know this to be true. We're just caught up in economics. You know, basically, any society that's caught up in survival, the masculine's always going to dominate, right? And even though we don't have wars at the moment, we're, we're still in survival because we're always trying to chase the dollar and, and, and get ahead of people. So, the, the, you know, the masculine's just really predominating, yet we just, we know, we just know that if we keep doing it, we're going to fuck the planet up and each other, and people are suffering all over the place because of this large imbalance, and I think it's also important to recognize that it's when we talk about it from our perspective, these are principles, a feminine principle, a masculine principle. Like as a man, I'm still my mother. You know, my mother's there, that feminine principle's there. And likewise for, for women, their father's part of them. And it's important to, to balance those principles within inside ourselves. For rise as one, I see myself as the useful, the root part of it because I – hold the space, I create the platform, I hold the space. Again, it's all women that that are chosen. I mean, we had 200 applicants, 195 of them were women. So I tried to get a guy as one of the six, but in reality, the, the best six were the women that were selected. And so just by holding the space there, these six women are so enthusiastic and passionate about, you know, this project in India and part of that agreement was that they all had to raise 10,000 in in the crowdfund right so I set it all up I 
did all the marketing, the branding, the platform, and let them sort of go from there. And they've done a wonderful job. And, I mean, they're all going to hit it, their, their targets, uh, before it finishes quite easily. So I think that's just an example of the working together. You know, I've been surrounded by women all my life um, because of yoga training, and it's just helped me embody the, the feminine aspect of myself so much more uh, where it was it was sadly missing, which is a lot of boys, you know, we're brought up to be uh, aggressive and, and leaders and competitive and all those sorts of things. And, you know, I see a lot of my male friends um, suffering from depression because they don't have that feminine uh, principle that just hasn't been encouraged in them and they don't know how to access it. Well, I think as we have more women becoming aware, and there's so many women on the planet doing beautiful work of of healing the feminine, but also to heal the masculine within so that we can be balanced within, it will create more people, I should say, that are able to hold the space for men to heal, for men to embrace their their feminine as well. And ultimately for each person to be able to live a more authentic and happy life. And I just want to add, we've actually got some pretty cool male listeners to this podcast. So while this podcast has heaps of ladies that listen, the men that are regular listeners and contributors in our tribe are pretty awesome men. So you might just get surprised next time you're calling for applicants that uh, there's some great men out there. So I have two gorgeous teenage girls and, and I made it a a commitment that I wanted to have them travel overseas before they were a certain age because I was blessed to be brought up in a situation where that happened. It helped shape who I am. It helped set up my compassion for humanity, and I wanted that for my girls. I also, however, have not managed to get something organized where they go volunteering in another country. Is that something that Rises One is looking at doing where perhaps – providing opportunities for young women or men to be able to experience at a deeper level seeing how the rest of the world really lives and helping as a result, of course, for them to rise as activists and change makers. Is that something that's in the blueprint for the future? Um, It is in the blueprint. Again, it just is all based on funding because we've got the rollout plan and as the funding comes in, we'll, we'll roll it out. So we have kind of two models there where we'll work in programs overseas and we'll get the participants to uh, raise three to $5,000 each, and all that money will go to the program, you know, the women and girls, leaders and change makers. From our side, we'll look at covering the flights and costs and that side of it. And the other model is, say in Tanzania, um, I'll go in and women across Tanzania um, from the villages will apply um, to be yoga teachers and I'll go and train 15 of them for free, give them the international certification and then we'll give them a six-month wage package to go out into the villages to, to teach and then hopefully build an income off that. So then I also will have a number of um, volunteers, um, teachers, whatever, that will support me in holding the space and that'd be a month of of training and say for example in Tanzania the community that we'll work in it also has an emphasis on permaculture so we'll look at yogis in the community that have skills around 
permaculture uh, as well. That would be an extra added bonus for that particular one. Um, yeah, the project in um, in Flores, in the village, in the mountains there, the lady that I'm looking at partnering that with there, she she's a great story. It's a perfect example of it. She uh, was in a poor village, and her um, it's very Christian, Flores, and so the nuns saw her academic ability and asked her parents to you know put her into another schooling system, and they couldn't afford it. So the the, nut, the sisters decided that they would do it for her. So she got educated. She learned English. She was able to get a job in tourism down in La Bambajo. It's the main port down there, um, the diving area around Komodo Islands. And then a mate of mine that pioneered the diving in that area, he went to the restaurant, met, met Tootie, this woman. They got married, and they had this fantastic business. She has a great life. She has a beautiful heart, great kids. But it's just a classic example of when someone goes in and believes in you and supports people that have that, they can totally change uh, someone's life. You know, by having those skills, and uh, it's a beautiful example. And so, yeah, we we look to do that. And and again, the girls that show, uh, you know, promise, will keep will keep um, supporting them. Oh, I'm very excited by this. I think you've got an incredible program here. I love everything about it, and I look forward to it being global domination. <laughs> now. What about um, people that want to apply for future projects that, you know, people listening to this? I'm sitting here myself thinking, I want to put my hand up and put an application in for future projects. This sounds really exciting what you're doing. And I love the concept of going away for two weeks where you spend the first week in self-development for yourself and then the second week of giving and submerging within a community is just such a beautiful, balanced experience. So what do people do if they want to get on board with applying for future opportunities to participate? They can go onto the Rises One Project site. From there, there is uh, a couple of buttons around corporate support and also just individuals. So then they'll just be on our list for when we put out the next projects and things. So Okay, so obviously money is an important contributing factor. You've set up the funding project which you have with your six people that are raising the money. So uh, I'm going to pop the link in the website if people want to contribute financially. So we've got some links for them to contribute financially. Uh, I'm going to put the Rises One Project website up as well as, Mark, I'm going to put your website up because if you're into yoga, Mark is your man. And as you said, you were taught by your mother who was the very first yoga teacher here, but you have taught thousands of of people over the years, haven't you? Like this really has been a big passion of yours for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Mum was one of the first teachers and I, I've taught over a thousand teachers now and I've worked across all areas. I've worked, you know, Olympic gold medalists, world champions in surfing. I've travelled the world with these people. I've worked in corporation, I've worked in disability. I've worked across all fields, but I'm the, I'm the longest serving yoga educator in Australia. I know what I'm doing. You do, yes. But there's so, so, so much more magic and depth to yoga once you understand the science of it and how to apply it in a really contemporary way. It can transform your life, you know, massively. Where would somebody start who's listening to this thinking, I'd love to get involved in yoga. I've always wanted to do it. It's on my bucket list. I never find the time. 
where's a good starting point? Because as you say, there's so many different ways that yoga is now presented. Where can we direct them to have some guidance towards good quality introduction to yoga? I think it's important to know where your starting point is. So, you know, people generally come to it for physical reasons. You know, they might want to increase their health or flexibility or fitness or something like this. Uh, They might have an injury, they might have illness. So they want to work in that direction. A lot of people come for stress management. That's the one I was thinking of was the stress management, yeah. And other people come for spiritual meaning and purpose type stuff. Look, I really think it's just whatever the area is, that there is so much out there, and then just to research the, the background of the person that's teaching it because it's very easy for people to have, you know, shiny business cards and marketing and high-production websites. It doesn't mean that they have much knowledge about what they're teaching. So I think you have to go beyond that, beyond the fancy shop front, and just look at people's um, background and experience and depth of what they're actually putting out there. I know that for many of our listeners, the spiritual side of yoga would be incredibly important to them. Many probably already practice yoga, but I can hear people thinking, well, I used to do it two decades ago, and I'd like to get back to that, but I don't even know where to start now. Yeah, my focus is just on the yoga education. There's more teaching the teachers. Yeah, I work privately. I work one-on-one as what I call a yoga coach. That's for people that want to progress in all those different levels, aspects of themselves, whether it's physical or on the physiological level, or on a mental, emotional level or spiritual. And all those, I help people to work with vision, create something that's more inclusive beyond themselves. And then the rest is education because I'm, I'm traveling a lot. At the moment, a lot of my focus is into Rise as One and we, we go off next September to our, our first um, project. Next month. That's exciting. Yeah. Yeah, we're really we're really looking forward to it. Oh, I look forward to the update of how it all goes. Any final words of wisdom to somebody that's listening to this that's got their own spark of desire to make change within an area that they are passionate about? You know, I have many conversations with people that have ideas for charities or services, community social base that they want to set up. Do you have any words of wisdom from somebody who's such a doer to help them to take that leap of faith to just follow their dream? I think um, looking at, at yoga and how we operate in the world, you know, there's an, always an aspect of ourselves that wants to expand. It's human nature to want to expand. But often we do it as a personal goal. So when we get to that personal goal, we go, oh, that was good for a while, but then we're not fulfilled and we want the next goal. And this continues to go on and it's incremental and and it never ends. Uh, And I think the important thing to understand is that as, as uh, humans, we, we don't want just more. We want all Our, our nature is to expand into all. That's what yoga is. So what I say to people is don't think about more, you know, that's just personal ambition. Just look around you and what's needed. And that's it. Just start there. What's needed around you? And then just put your whole heart into it. And that's it. As simple as that. And it might be your community. It might be your family. It might be globally. It doesn't matter. And and starting community might take you to global. But just do what's needed. Put your full heart into it and be inclusive. 
So rather than just want more for yourself, think about all. Think about what I want for myself, I want for everybody. And that's what I do for myself. You know, I want to be healthy. I want to be happy. You know, I want to be able to have meaning and purpose in my life. So I think, okay, if I want that for myself, then how about if I want that for everyone, how am I going to do it? And I saw the sort of imbalance of the feminine principle. So, and it's something I've been working on in myself. So I decided, well, how can I do that around the world? And I think that's the simple key. Just do what's needed. Do it without thinking that it's special. It's just needed. Do it. Do it with your whole heart and, you know, happiness follows. Oh, Mark, that is beautiful. Do what's needed. Do it from your heart. That is so gorgeous. If you would like to contact Mark, I've put the links in the show notes for both his personal page about yoga and the Rises One Project website. My big take-home aha moment from chatting with Mark was his comment, if you want well-being, how about having that for everyone? So my invitation to you is to consider, what is it you are most wanting for yourself right now? And as you answer that question, ponder, how can you help make this happen for others in your community? What steps can you start today towards making this happen? Because as many people have been quoted saying in many different ways, we get what we give. Or as St. Francis said, for it is in the giving that we receive. And I am grateful to have received the wonderful support from the show's patrons. Thank you to the You Matter Project, Greg Whiting, Belinda Price, Cecilia Fisher, Vilma Isabella, Helen Jackson, Catherine Hills, my virtual assistants, Yvette Holdsworth, Jade Downs, Helen Vargas, Linda Bonneman, and Nikki Peep. Thank you for helping to ensure the continual production of The Love Life Show. If you would like to become a patron from as little as $1 per month, and you can opt out at any time, please head to patreon.com forward slash show. And until next week... Be the change you want to see in the world. Life is perfect, I'm not trying, it's just happening. And it's a beautiful day.